It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 112, we discuss our thoughts on TNT's Champions League coverage, whether the days of the Gold Cup as a tournament are numbered, which US soccer commentator has joined the Bundesliga World Feed, the Champions League gets conquer by Yahoo Sports, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Now, what makes us do this podcast and uh, every week? For me, uh, and, and also working on World Soccer Talk, uh, the website seven days a week, it's, it's two reasons, really. One is to make it as easy as possible to find out how, when, and where to watch soccer on US TV and on the line. And two, it's to make connections with fellow soccer fans from around the world, and particularly the United States, uh, like you, the listener. Uh, for me, my family, and Kartik, we eat, live, and breathe soccer seven days a week, 365 days a year. And uh, that is no exaggeration. So in the past, I've had opportunities to work for for Fox Sports and NBC, but I honestly wouldn't swap uh, any of those gigs for this one right here. I love it so much, and I love connecting with you, the listeners. So thank you for listening. And uh, for those who've never listened before, we dive deep into the soccer media industry, uh, talking about the games that we love, talking about some of the changes that are happening in the industry in terms of television options, streaming options, as well as some of the politics. Some of the politics are things that are driving changes in the sport. And uh, as a result of those politics, oftentimes we, the soccer fans, uh, things change. Things change all the time. Now, Kartik, uh, talking about change, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance this past week to watch uh, TNT's Champions League coverage and uh, if you saw or thought about any changes that uh, you witnessed uh, this past week. Yeah, I think there was a lot of back to basics, Chris, uh, for TNT in terms of just uh, cold hard analysis, more look at tactics, the features like the, the EA Sports feature made more sense because that corresponds to uh, Bleacher Report Live and, and TBS. They didn't really talk about TBS, but TBS will be showing some of those esports competitions with FIFA later in the year. Uh, I thought it was uh, less clunky. It was more consistent. The post-match show on Wednesday in particular, which I, I will admit I just watched because I had uh, it's all kinds of uh, U.S. domestic soccer stuff to, to deal with on Wednesday and on Tuesday for that matter, uh, I thought was actually pretty good. Steve Nash hosting. They, they were all in one location. That was a big part of, I think, maybe it being less clunky. And there was more of a focus on analysis. Uh, uh, kind of breaking down what happened in certain moments in a match, and I thought I thought that was quite good, and that uh, Steve Nash had a good week. Moa Du had, a, or Maurice Du, as he's now going by on on TNT, had a good week, and and Tim Howard as usual was good. Uh, now this presenter role between Nash and Kate Abdo, there were a couple. Kate Abdo was better this week, but there were a couple. Um, you know, still little awkward moments with her hosting. I think maybe trying to be too light, maybe too um, too casual. Uh, Nash seems to be getting the presenter thing down, but he still also has those, those, yeah, those sort of moments. Uh, but it was much better. I, I was I was pleased with TNT this week. I thought that they uh, 
they took to heart the critiques maybe on this show and from a lot of fans on social media and, and, and in other mediums in the last week and, and quickly tweaked and made adjustments, which is very different than Fox. Um, one other note, comparing them to Fox, that post-game show on Wednesday, the Tuesday one was pretty good too, uh, but the post-game show on Wednesday was the, delved into the kind of analysis you would really never get on Fox after a round of 16 tie, mm-hmm. or uh, in terms of the way they broke down Manchester City and Schalke and the way they broke down um, the uh, Atleti, uh, the, the two late goals for Atleti against Juventus. So uh, I, I think having the full block of a half an hour uh, for the post-game, and then now co-loading, locating everybody in the same place ha- has elevated them beyond what Fox gave us in the in the nine years they broadcast this uh, competition. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster of a ride, uh, Kartik, watching the, the Champions League on TNT this season. I mean, last podcast we were talking about, I, I was kind of saying to the point of, I've almost give almost given up on on watching the pregame show just because it was so bad, and up until now I think TNT has been trying too hard to be different. Uh, this week they went back to the basics and showed um, a lot of promise really uh, that focuses on what they're good at, which centers around the tactical analysis from people such as Stu Holden. Both Tuesdays and Wednesdays broadcast. Uh, went straight into with the tactical analysis, and it, it was nonstop uh, tactical analysis. It almost felt like they took the training wheels of Stu Holden and said, "Okay, Stu, do your thing." And it was really good. It was some really great insights, some good uh, discussions between Mo and uh, Tim Howard and, and Steve Nash. Um, you mean a couple of tiny flubs, but for the most part, it was really, really good. Um, on on the highs, uh, the one studio makes so much of a difference. Uh, this week, they went to La La Land, uh, to Los Angeles, uh, and, and recorded both the Tuesday and Wednesday shows um, from Los Angeles. That was not a result of this podcast, I'm, I'm told. It was more something that had been uh, in the plannings uh, for quite a while in terms of having uh, those folks in the LA area anyway, so they went ahead and did it there. But it was so much better. It was completely different in terms of, um, I mean, the chemistry was better. Uh, there wasn't this, the awkward switching back and forth. It felt like a more of a, a real good show. Uh, Stu Holden on Wednesday, the hosting, I thought did really, really, really well. And this is no offense to Kate, but I didn't really miss her on the set on Wednesday. Uh, Stu, I thought, uh, held his own and uh, did a really good combo between hosting, but also giving his tactical analysis. Uh, The transitions were really good. Um, Yeah, I think some of his best work was this week. Uh, The one part Kartik that I must say, which was uh, completely floored me, uh, was the best tactical breakdown I've ever seen. Honestly, I've ever seen on a tactics board. And this is before the Liverpool Bayern game. And this was by Stu Holden, where he got up uh, off uh, from the seat and went over to the, to the tactics virtual board and went ahead and looked at Bayern and, and uh, Liverpool and how they were matching up. And a lot of the one-on-one matchups between the players and kind of the main part, parts of the pitch where there were going to be the real battles that would determine this game. And I thought he did, he did an outstanding job at that. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Um, Weston McKinney, they had the interview with him uh, pre-match on Wednesday. That was great. Uh, we had post-match interviews with uh, managers and players. Uh, the one with uh, Raheem Sterling on Wednesday w- was great. Uh, and also the E-League segments, the FIFA uh, video game segments, I thought were fun. Uh, all in all, uh, what a difference a, a week makes. But uh, a few of the lows, um, there were some technical issues with the Fernando Perez uh, segment on Tuesday. And that's always one of our favorites. Um, this one was, um, you mean, the audio went out and they had the music playing in the background. That was unfortunate. Uh, they had a graphic on Wednesday that uh, had some of the players playing in Germany that uh, are U.S. men's national team players. And they had uh, John Brooks listed as Josh Brooks. So that's kind of an embarrassing mistake there. Uh, the biggest low for me was uh, the Greg Berhalter uh, interview with Steve Nash asking a question about basketball. I think Steve was trying to be funny, but uh, it didn't come off that well. And... Um, I don't know, Kartik. Greg Berhalter, I'm sure, is a good coach, and I'm hoping that he does well with the U.S. men's national team. But I can't remember the last time there was a U.S. coach, men's coach, that is such a boring interviewee. Um, and, then, and this is not part of his job requirement by any means. Um, I was thinking, going back through the U.S. men's national team coaches, full-time coaches, 
maybe Bob Gansler, but maybe Bob Gansler was was uh, more interesting or more charming than, than Greg. But Greg, this is the second interview I've heard him from Fox and and now through uh, TNT. But he's very doesn't like to talk much and very very boring. So yeah, Car- and actually on Burhalter, he was a horrible interview as a player so i had hoped that you know he's older now has a different role he would be kind of more more, more interesting uh, i mean i i know u.s soccer wants to get away from the bruce arena type uh who, who, who is confrontational with the press Klinsman too right those two last two u.s managers were very quotable but uh they've gone to the opposite extreme with this one in terms of just his media presence i, I completely agree yeah, and I just hope that uh, TNT sticks to this kind of game plan because uh, in terms of the strategy of what they've been doing, focusing on what they're good at. And, and like you said, Kartik, going back to the basics, um, but what, what a difference this week uh, compared to last week. Now, I, I know you've had a busy week, Kartik, in terms of the kind of getting ready for the domestic uh, league as well as a lot of things happening um, kind of locally here in the Fort Lauderdale area in terms of soccer. Um, any other games or any other broadcasts that stood out for you from this past week or, or, or did you have a, um, a match of the week that you saw? Well, I only watched two other matches this week which uh, outside the Champions League, which were the uh, – the Dortmund uh, Augsburg game and the Schalke, uh, excuse me, uh, Schalke was in the Champions League and the uh, uh, Chelsea Manchester United game. Uh, that that match was actually fairly entertaining. Martin Tyler and uh, and and Stuart Robson were calling it. I, I miss Stuart Robson on Premier League broadcasts. You occasionally you hear him on Champions League. You occasionally hear him on Bundesliga matches. Uh, you occasionally hear him on the World Feed for Serie A matches. If, if you catch the right one, you catch the right Bundesliga match. Uh, FA Cup, League Cup, you never hear him on uh, uh, the Premier League anymore. I think that is a huge loss for the league i know when i tweeted that chris a lot of uh a lot of anger he continues to be an incredibly polarizing figure i mean you and i uh talked about this years ago with with nbc even and we talked about it with other people in the business about how uh he just seems to conjure up uh emotions on both sides but i I think it's a pretty big miss uh for uh for the premier league and and uh thoroughly enjoyed his commentary and, and the pairing with martin tyler is very good yeah, Stuart Robson, uh, it's one of those things that uh, you would think that by now a lot of Arsenal fans would forgive him or give him, you know, say, okay, okay, that was fine. That was like during the Wenger years. And a lot of the things that Stuart Robson said were accurate. Uh, they were, I mean, there were definitely the criticisms of, of Arsenal under Wenger. If you're an Arsenal fan, kind of a true-blooded Arsenal fan, yeah, those are going to hurt. Those are going to sting. But uh, but he, to me, he was right. And to me, just even outside of the whole Arsenal thing, he is one of the best co-commentators in the business. Uh, gets a lot of work from around the world, uh, but not a lot of Premier League matches, hardly any Premier League matches. And like you said, Kartik, we get to hear him on whether it's FA Cup or uh, Serie A. Uh, Major League Soccer. If you're in, uh, if you're in England, watching some of the games uh, on Sky, uh, you name it. Pretty, pretty much, and the World Cups, of course, does a lot of work for ESPN in the United States. Uh, pretty much any, everywhere, and anywhere except for the Premier League, and, and it's such a shame. But, uh, but at least here in the US, we get to to to, to listen to him quite often. Uh, you mean whichever league you watch, except for the Premier League. Yeah, he actually does some MLS games when he comes over also. Yeah. So he does, I, for whatever reason, I don't know if Premier League Productions has taken the decision because of all of the uh, the, the, the negative uh, com- comments from Arsenal fans and a few others or, or if there's something else there. But for whatever reason, the league that he probably is most connected to is the league he doesn't call matches from. I, it, it's It's bizarre. Yeah, and it might be one of those things, kind of an old boys club too, where he's burnt a bridge for whatever reason within the Premier League or within the, kind of the, the, the world feed there. And um, maybe that's why they're they're resisting having him commentate games that have nothing to do with Arsenal, which is, again, yeah, it is perplexing. But um, yeah, as, as far as uh, match of the week, Kartik, out of all the games I watched, um, so my kids... Actually, two of my kids were playing travel soccer in the Western Cup in South Florida. So between the entire weekend, I think we had about eight games being played, or actually seven games played, so it's running all over the place. But I did get a chance to watch a lot of the FA Cup. Um, It was a pretty uneventful FA Cup weekend, except for the Chelsea Man United first half. It was really entertaining. 
as well as the Swansea uh, Brentford second half was really entertaining. But other than that, the FA Cup was a bit of a miss, uh, which is okay. It's not meant to be. Uh, they're not playing the games for entertainment. They're playing the games to win. But the match for me, which was my standout match of the week, was Schalke against Manchester City. Uh, this one was not on TNT. It was on Galavision or uh, BR Live. But what a great game. I mean, t- Tony Jones and Ray Houghton commentating. Uh, just a, This game had everything from controversial calls, uh, referee mistakes. Uh, you had VAR. You had uh, a, a great comeback from Manchester City. And, of course, a beautiful uh, free kick by Leroy Sané uh, against his old team, Schalke. Which, by the way, I have to mention... Mm-hmm. And I have- I didn't do this on Twitter. I'm trying to be good about this. I missed because of BR Live. So uh, I'm sitting at my desk. I, I just come out of the meeting where the game was actually on in the background uh, uh, on Galavision. It came back to my desk. I had my iPad and uh, BR Live froze. And then uh, I tried to try to reactivate it, couldn't, tried to log out of it, had the same problem. Finally, it resolved itself three or four minutes later, and uh, I, I saw the score was 2-2. Now, uh, it did hold then through the, uh, through the Sterling goal, so that was fine. But um, just there seems to be technical problems with Bleacher Report Live, with VR Live, uh, that that pop up from time to time at, at, at kind of random uh, in, in random times that I just don't have with uh, the ESPN uh, plus uh, thing. Now I, I've heard other people have issues with ESPN plus at times. I've heard people even have uh, problems with the zone, which surprises me because I, I think they have uh, a pretty, pretty high end technology. Uh, NBC has, I've had problems with NBC uh, sports gold as much as BR live. So it's not to pick on BR live. They're not the only ones, uh, but uh, it was just the worst time. Yeah, it's uh, it's nature of the beast, unfortunately, and it's one of those things that. Uh, so I was watching BR Live, and I was watching the game um, at the same time that you were in a different location, of course. And for me, I had no problems with the the video, so the stream was okay. Um, not to say that I mean, there's so many different variables. It could be, uh, and it could be, it could be internet connections. It could be this. I mean, but but overall, kind of over the past year. I would agree, Kartik, in terms of uh, I've I've had issues too with BR Live kind of freezing, and I'm trying to figure out okay what's going on. Like, is it me? Is it the internet? Is it my browser? Is it? You I mean there's so many different things that it could uh, hap- happen or be be causing that. Um, but that, that's definitely unfortunate. It never fails though, too. When things like that do happen, it seems to happen at the most ino- inopportune time where you're like, you mean, a player's breaking breaking down the wing. It looks like he's going to uh, cross the ball in for for a goal, and then it, it buffers. Uh, or you know, or freezes, whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, uh, I hate that. All right. Well, we want to welcome back uh, our advertiser SeatGeek, who is back uh, for 2019 uh, to sponsor the World Soccer Talk podcast. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek helps uh, pull uh, millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the, the seats you want for the price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Now, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Now, I actually have the, the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. Uh, this past week, I used the, the actual SeatGeek app to look for tickets uh, to a concert in Miami near me. Uh, Duran Duran were in, con- in concert. Don't mock me. <laughs> you know, I'm a big D- uh, Duran, uh, Duran Duran fan from the 80s. Uh, they still got it, and they're still touring. They're still releasing albums, but don't hold that against me. But but, but I used I used it to go ahead and, and, and kind of check that out. And it's really an easy app to use to look for tickets and to find some great deals. So best of all, my listeners get ten dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPod today. That's promo code WSTPod, one word, for ten dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek. 
lives and events, they have the tickets. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. And uh, this is a big one. Yeah, there's a lot of big news this week, although uh, I, I'm kind of curious, where was this Duran Duran concert? <laughs> at the Jackie Gleason uh, Theater in Miami Beach, uh, next oh, to the wow. convention, at, at the Fillmore, at the, right there in, on the uh, convention center. I need to use uh, uh, the app, and, and, and uh, this is a good plug for me, because I might have gone <laughs> if I had known. Oh, so, man, could have gone uh, together. Mark me, yeah, Mark, Mark me is a fan of 80s, 80s punk rock also, although uh, you know, I'm more, more a 60s and 70s classic rock guy, but I, I could do, do Duran Duran and Tears for Fears and uh, those groups too. So. All right, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that next time they come to town. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Chris. Um, so, yeah, as, as you said, some very big news this week. Uh, at this past weekend's USSF AGM in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, USSF President Carlos Cordero announced that there will be no more Confederations Cup in the future, uh, which was something that's been speculated about a, a, a great deal. He also added, and that's maybe why FIFA is talking about the FIFA Nations League, um, he also added that the 2019 and 2021 Gold Cups may be the last ones ever for the CONCACAF regional tournament. Now, I, I've actually spoken to people, CONCACAF is based in Miami, I've actually spoken to some of the people on background. They were stunned. <laughs> By this, I, I I can't express in how many words how how shocked they were that Cordero stepped out uh, on and said this. Um, now they've given a, a formal response. I'll read that and I'll give you a little more explanation from what I've learned. Um, their formal response was. Following recent media reports, CONCACAF clarifies that it is fully committed to the CONCACAF Gold Cup and confirms the 2019, 2021, and 2023 editions are part of the FIFA calendar. Additionally, once the new FIFA calendar is produced after 2023, CONCACAF will continue organizing the pinnacle event of our confederation. Um, the caveat I'm going to give on that, well, no caveat, that, that's accurate from what I understand, is that maybe Cordero was confused because for 2024 there are conversations that are uh seemingly at, at, at a fairly advanced stage maybe not that advanced but they're not just in the preliminary stages uh with calm the ball about doing something similar to the copa america centenario uh again in 2024 and making that a regular fixture uh 24 28 32 on into the future in that year where the euros are at the same time uh, that year where the Gold Cup is not played and Copa America, the, the traditional Copa America is not played. Some some sort of new tournament. It would not be called Copa America. It would be called. It would be something co-branded uh, with with both confederations. Make it very clear it's a continental or a sorry a hemispheric uh, championship. The the thinking is maybe Cordero was confused because there have been discussions about that. But otherwise, uh, just absolutely incredulous would be the way I would describe the reaction to this. Um, you know, he he made a a big mistake and put a put his foot in his mouth. The USSF president. He, he definitely overstepped his boundaries in terms of saying some things that uh, maybe were probably too early to actually be talking about it. But for but for me though too, I, I don't think he was confused, Kartik. I mean, again, Carlos Cordero, in terms of as USSF president, has given very very few interviews, done very very few press conferences. So we don't really know kind of what the individual if he's very uh calculated about what he says or if it, sometimes he goes off script and, and kind of says some things that uh, maybe he should have done or says some things and gets confused easily we we don't really know at least i don't know kind of what type of individual he is but <laughs> but, but but from from a kind of a, a us men's national team perspective what he says makes total sense to me i mean the gold cup is a tournament yes it's important to concacaf but uh, with the changes that are happening, where the Confederations Cup is no more, um, that means in terms of what's, what's the incentive to actually go ahead and win the, the Gold Cup other than to uh, gain experience, other than to sell tickets, other than to, to have your team get some playing time together. Um, I mean, before, in the previous years, it would have been, okay, win the Gold Cup, uh, now you advance to the... Um, We'll have an opportunity to advance to to the actual Confederations Cup. So, from a US USF USSF perspective, I think Cotero is making the right call and saying, "Hey, I mean, we're we're probably thinking about not even participating in the Gold Cup in the future." Well, actually, what he's saying is there would not be a Gold Cup, which are from again from Concacaf's perspective. Now, the Gold Cup is, I mean, the pinnacle tournament in the region. It's a tournament that gives opportunities for a lot of the Caribbean uh, countries, a lot of countries within Concacaf. 
an opportunity probably to make make some money uh to for them it's valuable for them it's like it's almost like the world cup because a lot of these teams i mean are, are too small or uh, don't have the the resources or not good enough to actually make it into the world cup so a lot of confusion coming out of this um instead of the Con- the confederations cup there will be a, an intercontinental playoffs to decide the final countries to advance to the 48 World Cup uh, tournaments, uh, presumably starting in uh, 2022, if FIFA approves the 48 World Cup uh, proposal next month uh, at the FIFA Council. So there's a lot to take in here, Kartik, but uh, to, me, to me, I think the Gold Cup will go on, whether the U.S. men's national team decides to be a part of that. And if they do become a part of that, maybe do they play a C team? Do they do they really put any effort into this one? We'll have to wait and see. What what I would say, one more thing to add to this is that if I'm Fox uh, Sports or I'm Univision, I'm extremely upset at Cordero in terms of saying some of these remarks because, I mean, they have the rights to the Gold Cup. In many ways, to me, it, it devalues the... Um, why watch it divides this the summer's gold cup why tune in and watch this one and why get into it and why get passionate about it if you know that effectively it's it's meaningless yeah so uh, another point on this what you mentioned about cordero is absolutely correct uh the approachability of Sunil Gulati versus Carlos Cordero is night and day. One of the problems with Sunil Gulati's governing style is that he was very arbitrary in what he did, and he talked a lot to the media. So he would announce things that people that caught people off guard in, in the U.S. Soccer Federation. He was very approachable. I even had a conversation with someone who was at the AGM this weekend who said, you know, previous years, Sunil, he'd be popping into the council meetings, interacting with uh, the youth soccer reps and the adult soccer reps. He'd, he'd be down at the bar area, uh, mingling with, with, with the attendees who were just, you know, grassroots soccer people. Uh, Cordero this year didn't see him until, you know, we had to see him at the count at the uh, at the uh, board meeting and, and, and at uh, whatever else, you know, functions he was required at. So very different governing style. But you might be right. Cordero, because of that, is very deliberative in what he says. Gulati was very much shoot from the hip at times. And maybe this was by design because you're right. If there is no Confederations Cup berth on the line, from, from the U.S. perspective, the playing perspective, the tournament's completely devalued. That's been the thrust of why the U.S. has constantly wanted to win the Gold Cup, right, was to, to qualify or have a chance to qualify for the Confederations Cup. Uh, it's still important for revenue. It's very important for the revenue of, of those Caribbean nations. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe he did not speak out of, out of turn or this was a deliberate uh, uh, attempt to put some pressure on CONCACAF or on FIFA because, yeah, you're right. There's no, there's really no value to the tournament if you, if there isn't something it leads to because CONCACAF, you know, for no no insult, is CONCACAF. It's not it's not UEFA. It's not Commonwealth. At, at the same time, though, too, that the USSF will want to maintain a good relationship with CONCACAF. Um, it, it sounds like they're definitely siding more with CONMEBOL in terms of maybe. I mean, maybe having discussions, we don't know. I mean, this is just kind of um, me thinking out aloud. But maybe having conversations or having discussions about, hey, wouldn't it be great in the future to have uh, CONMEBOL teams play against the U.S. and Mexico, maybe Canada, and have, you mean, kind of the Copa Centenario, but under a different name, like you said, Kartik, and, and thinking along those lines more. But CONCACAF is important, a part of this, because, you mean, if FIFA ever came in and said, you know what, rather than having CONCACAF and CONMEBOL, let's just, just join those, uh, those uh, confederations together and, and just have one that represents all of North America and South America, which would be a nightmare for the U.S. men's national team, because in terms of uh, qualification, it would make it much more difficult uh, and also devalues the, the, the kind of the, the weight of, of uh, soccer in North America. Um, there's a lot of ways this can go, but uh, my guess is that uh, USSF will hope that uh, you mean at some opportunity, probably in the near future, we'll get an interview and we'll probably talk about this in a little bit more detail. And maybe maybe Kodera says, "Yeah, I, I kind of spoke out of turn, but or I, I was confused." And yeah, everything's nice with Concacaf, but secretly and kind of like reading between the lines, they have to be thinking about ways to to become stronger as a soccer nation and uh, playing in the Gold Cup where there's no incentive to really win it other than to get a trophy, um, you mean, devalues the strength of the team too, as well as the TV ratings and lack of interest in, in that tournament. So a lot to go on here. 
Now, Kartik, a, a story that we've been uh, talking about uh, for a few weeks, uh, covering off and on as uh, developments happen, is the whole story about this uh, pirate network in Saudi Arabia called BIOQ, which is streaming all of the sports from uh, that come out of Qatar from being sports. So everything from soccer, you name it, any major soccer league in the world, to to Olympics, to you mean golf, you name it. Um, and it's undermining being sports in Qatar, and it's undermining Qatar. Well, a new development is, is that the U.S. government has been urged to take action against Saudi Arabia as a coalition of sports and entertainment bodies demand the end of BLQ. A host of leading U.S. sports and entertainment bodies, trade associations, and international broadcasters have made submissions to the U.S. government demanding action against Saudi Arabia for its most sophisticated pattern of broadcast piracy that the world has ever seen. And what BIOQ is doing is on a, on a massive global scale in terms of uh, trying to make sure that uh, – trying to promote illegal streaming, trying to promote um, illegal uh, TV streams and undermining uh, not only being sports but also for Qatar uh, and, and all the sport coming out of that country uh, from the broadcasters. The interesting thing about this to me, Kartik, well, that, that's interesting. But the other interesting development is that um, part of the uh, associations that went ahead and uh, uh, urged the U.S. government to take action against Saudi Arabia including an, included an organization called the Sports Coalition in the U.S., which includes the six major U.S. sports leagues. So NFL, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, NHL, uh, the NCAA and then the U.S. Uh, Tennis Association. The one league that's not included in this and is not a member of the sports coalition is MLS, which is strange that you, mean, you got all these major leagues from around the world, I mean, from, from the U.S., all these major leagues from the U.S., and they have joined the sports coalition and going out hard against uh, um, Saudi Arabia in this case and BIOQ and filing this with U.S. governments, but... MLS is not one of them, which I find very, very strange. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, this one's uh, some great news for uh, for the U.S. Yeah, Ian Joy has joined the Bundesliga World Feed uh, Analyst Rotation. He made his debut on the World Feed this past weekend of Saturday's Hertha Berlin-Werder Bremen match. Uh, as well as Sunday's broadcast of Bayer Leverkusen and Fortuna Dusseldorf that was shown live on Fox Soccer Plus. Uh, Joy traveled to Germany to call the games from stadiums to uh, a worldwide audience, including uh, the U.S. audience when they pick up the world feed. Uh, Quite honestly, this will be hit or miss with Fox viewers because in many cases Fox uh, does uh, uh, broadcast or has their commentators in L.A. speaking, uh, broadcasting, and does not carry the world feed. So be beware of that. Yeah, but, but a great appointment for Ian Joy, and congratulations on, on getting that uh, that role, which is going to be great. I think it's going to help him uh, considerably. And, and, he, and he's a fantastic uh, co-commentator too. So bad news for Dish Network, who lost uh, 334,000 TV subscribers in the fourth quarter of 2018. This was the same quarter that Dish dropped Univision Deportes Network from its channel lineup. When asked why there was such a huge drop-off in subscribers, Dish mentioned uh, Univision Deportes Network as a significant factor, as well as losing HBO. Uh, The fourth quarter loss of 334,000 subscribers follows a similar loss in, in the Q3, when 367,000 additional subscribers left the cable, uh, the, the, the satellite TV provider. And if matters couldn't get any worse for Dish, the Dish CEO, Eric Carlson, said that he wouldn't advise investors that the company is done experiencing customer loss due to the Univision networks. So it lo- looks like it's going to be more subscribers leaving that network because of uh, no soccer and no uh, Univision there. So Univision projects it will account for more than half of all soccer viewership in the U.S. in 2019, regardless of language, which just goes to show not just the amount of soccer uh, Univision shows, but uh, in terms of the viewership that it gets for everything from Liga MX to uh, Bundesliga to MLS, uh, etc. And despite all of this, Dish Network continues to stubbornly refuse to add Univision to Portis Network back to its programming, which is which is absolutely insane. I right, can't take some, some more big news. 
Yeah, we, we have a lot of broadcast news in the U.S., interestingly, this week. Uh, one, the CONCACAF Champions League uh, English language rights have gone to Yahoo Sports Streaming, and that already started with, uh, uh, with the, the matches on, uh, on uh, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday in the CONCACAF Champions League. And, and my understanding from, from CONCACAF is that they're very happy uh, with that, that it gives them a, 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 a bigger window. Uh, and more exposure. Um, ESPN Plus has picked up USL League One, which is the new uh, Division Three league that is uh, is being run by USL, who also runs the championship, the second division league, and one of the fourth division leagues in the country, USL League Two. It's actually one of two third divisions in the league. We've just had a new one sanctioned this week. Uh, also, some news uh, about uh, NWSL that we'll get to in a few minutes, uh, but uh, just as a, as a preface to that, they will also be on Yahoo Sports this week. Uh, this year, and I believe there may have been one or two other soccer moves by Yahoo Sports in the last few weeks. We'll, we'll find that out and obviously report on it next week. Yeah, Yahoo Sports, um, from what I've heard this week, they've had quite a few issues with streaming, with uh, just even buffering or not working or kind of a buggy app. Um, I, I didn't, get, didn't get a chance to, to test it out and watch it, but uh, um, that's what I heard. Um, in regards to other streaming news, uh, the Chilean League and the Chilean Cup have moved. So they were previously uh, through Fanatis in the United States, and now they are, have been acquired by DAZN. Uh, so another couple of um, rights there that uh, DAZN have picked up. They also have the J League as well as the uh, Asian Champions League. And Kartik, uh, some more news? Yeah, so that NWSL uh, issue I, I uh, teased a few minutes ago, uh, they, they have ended their partnership with A&E Networks, who were also an equity partner in the league. Uh, and uh, the matches will no longer be on Lifetime this season, And uh, although Lifetime will remain as a sleeve sponsor for, for, for the league. That's, I think, a little uh, – that's just a way to see this thing out. It was a three-year deal, Chris, and only two years were fulfilled – uh, I don't want to get into it. It's kind of extraneous to the media thing, although um, now maybe it applies to the media thing. There has been all kinds of uh, intrigue within NWSL this offseason. Uh, lots of just things happening within the league. The league is still going to play ne- this season, thankfully, but there's uh, uh, strife among owners, uh, really kind of questions about the direction of the league, U.S. soccer's commitment to the league, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a World Cup year in the women's game. So none of this is good um, for now. The uh, the NWSL will appear on Yahoo Sports. Uh, that's what they announced as a result of this A&E partnership breaking off. Our friend Jonathan Tannenwald, Philly Inquirer, uh, reports that they might be in negotiations with, with a couple other networks uh, for a showcase match, much like they had on Lifetime. But uh, for now, uh, off television, uh, NWSL, NWSL Media uh, will continue to operate. They were that was a collaboration between Annie and uh, NWSL, uh, but now that's going to be totally in house with NWSL, and uh, they will be on Yahoo and not on Lifetime. So a big, big change, and quite frankly, not a good change from where I'm sitting. Yeah, lots of open questions about that, Kartik. And again, NWSL in a transition year in terms of broadcasting. Hopefully, uh, it's for the best. So last item in the news section is La Liga chief Javier Tebas has emerged as a contender for uh, the Premier League uh, chairman role to succeed Richard Scudamore. This one comes as a surprise. Uh, just because uh, Tabas, uh, although he's accomplished, accomplished a lot, is very volatile, very uh, outspoken. Uh, not the type of individual you would imagine at the Premier League. So we'll have to wait and see. Next section is TV ratings, Chris. And uh, we don't have that much data for this week. Uh, obviously, the FA Cup matches were on ESPN+, Plus, so that doesn't register. And uh, uh, don't have uh, many other telecasts to look at. But 453K last week for Manchester United PS- PSG on TNT. I believe that's the highest number they've had on TNT thus far for the Champions League. And 271,000 for Spurs Dortmund. That was, Tuesday, uh, that was last uh, Wednesday uh, on TNT. Yeah, and we'll have all of the numbers uh, either this week or next week. But there were some big numbers from Liga MX, um, but we don't have them ready right now. But we should have them uh, today, and we'll post those again either this week or next week on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Listener mailbag. We've got a ton of letters this week, uh, so thank you everyone to who sent these in. First, first up is from JP. He says, uh, "Great podcast last week, maybe the best 
best since I started listening this summer while trying to find any developments on the US rights for Serie A. First off, TNT, I'm at work during the Champions League games, so I've never seen their pre-game. However, often get home in time for the post-game and just want to see the second half highlights I missed during the commute. That's it. Instead, we get inane banter. Uh, when they actually do show highlights, they're almost always talking among themselves instead of setting up the clip. With being Sports no longer showing the extra on Tuesday through Thursday because of scheduling conflicts, we're missing a great source of highlights and analysis on Champions League days. Can you ask your contacts at BN to have a 10 p.m. edition on those days? It doesn't even have to be live. So before I uh, go on to read uh, JP's second point, uh, two things on that. One is, is that... Um, I believe the studio that BN Sports uses um, during the week, so kind of the the Tuesday through Thursday, uh, is being used by somebody else. So they don't have uh, access to that studio. But what I would recommend is ESPN FC. Um, ESPN FC from this past weekend, too, with me traveling around uh, kids' uh, travel soccer games, is has become really the must-go-to place to kind of get not just the analysis, but also the highlights. And uh, so for Champions League days, um, definitely a good place to go to. If they still show the Champions League highlights, though, Kartik, do you know? Hmm. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I, I, I don't think they do, actually. Ah, man, that stinks. So in that case, then, I would go to YouTube. I would go to the BR Football and watch the clips through there, and they probably have the highlights using the world feed uh, as far as kind of the, the summary of, of, of the goal highlights. So that's probably your best bet there, JP. Good point, though. All right, second, JP says, second, on leagues going direct to the consumer instead of traditional TV. I like this if the price point is attractive, but if all the leagues go their own way, it will become very expensive for fans like myself who like to sample multiple leagues per weekend, uh, which is four leagues per weekend that he, he watches, and then choose the most attractive fixtures might lead to someone like myself putting uh, pairing back and only choosing one or two leagues to, to subscribe to. I was skeptical of ESPN+, Plus, but at least they have multiple leagues on the platform. After being thoroughly impressed and entertained by Ajax versus Real Madrid, I'll probably add some Eredivisie to the rotation too. I like Chris's idea of the leagues partnering with traditional TV to showcase at least one match per week to draw in new fans. Once everything is behind a paywall, the growth of, uh, will eventually stall or decline. Need some free promos to get people hooked. And that was one thing I experienced this past weekend, too. Again, traveling around uh, Florida for travel soccer games is that on Sunday, I think, I think uh, mid-morning, uh, we had, we had a, uh, probably about three hours before between the games. So the, the parents, the soccer moms and dads and I and, and, and the, the girls on the team, we went to like kind of a sports bar. And I was thinking to myself, OK, this would be great to actually watch some FA Cup. But we can't watch it because, you mean, if you mean, if the FA Cup was on ESPN or ESPN two, we'd be able to ask you mean the, person, the, the bartender, hey, can you switch on the game? Um, because we're anyway, because it's on ESPN plus, that's that's a, a no go zone there. So, good points there from JP. Bundesliga guy says regarding a podcast of TNT's coverage of the Champions League last week, blaming the host is just ridiculous. Completely missing the point of what is wrong with their production. Clearly not structured enough, which is why you see these mistakes by Kate. And I, I, I would agree with that in many ways, in that uh, the production is not structured very well, and there must be some communication issues. But at the same time, Stu, when he's in that role, seems to have less mistakes and less flubs than Kate. And Kate, I, I still respect, and I think she's world class. But um, whether it's not a, a good fit or what's going on, I, I don't know. But, um, but, but that's my viewpoints there. Eric Colton says, um, what is your opinion on how Bleach Report ends Champions League matches? Seconds after the full-time whistle of uh, Atleti against Juventus, the guys in the studio cut in and blurted out the result from the, from the Schalke Man City game. I just switched off. I wanted to enjoy the Madrid atmosphere and then watch um, the, the second game. And, and this is something, too, that... Um, I would say, actually, I think it was on Tuesday, right after the Liverpool-Bayern game uh, with the commentators. And the commentators, uh, full-time whistle, the commentators mid-sentence says, hey, the one thing about this game is that I think that... And then they, they cut it off and went, went right to the studio. 
Uh, that I don't like, and that's something that Fox has done in the past, which, I mean, at least let the game breathe a minute or two. Um, NBC does a fantastic job at this, usually lets it run for a few minutes uh, and to soak in the atmosphere post-match, because uh, that's something we don't get to, to, to experience much as TV viewers. But I would say as far as Eric's point there, too, um, I, th- I think in many ways, I mean, when this happens, I mean, really, I mean... If Schalke against Man City is the second game, and then we've got uh, Atleti against Juventus, as soon as that Atleti-Juventus game is over, I want to know, if I'm not watching, I want to know what the what happened in that Schalke-Man City game. So I'm okay with them sharing the result of that second game. If, if you're wanting to watch both of the games, I would almost you know, mute the commentary and, and just watch them and record them and DVR them and uh, watch the one game live and then watch the other game uh, second because you're probably going to get spoiled in some way or another, either by the commentator or by the studio guys. But but I do agree in terms of them cutting away too quickly after an end of the the game. Um, But then again, they're up against commercials. Uh, They've got to move pretty fast. So I I see both sides with that. Monty says, uh, EPL will never be the Netflix of soccer. ESPN Plus on their way with multiple leagues, lots of matches. A paywall like ESPN Plus should help leagues grow. EPL fully behind its own paywall will kill the league. And there are a lot of other leagues that are willing to take their place on TV. Good points there by Monty. Um, So I think the Premier League in many ways, it's a dangerous move if, if they decided to go ahead and go direct and uh, bypass television completely. Uh, they may have to go the UEFA TV route, which is going to be that um, that UEFA TV will only be available in countries outside of Europe and North America and, and see how it works there before they expand it uh, worldwide. But uh, good points there. Domingo Lopez says, uh, the idea that I would pay $10 to watch the Premier League plus another $10 for La Liga and another $10 for each of the other leagues I approve each week is crazy. I get that most of the sports leagues want to cut out the middleman and get as much money as possible, but it just sounds to me they're, they're getting greedy and don't want to share. I guess I will be forced to go to the pub to watch a game once in a while. I'll save my $10 monthly charge for beer. Also, the math that they have one uh, hundreds of millions of viewers, and therefore they could get billions per month, just as doesn't make sense. How many people outside the U.S. and maybe a handful of European countries can afford that type of monthly expense? Hopefully, this will drive viewers to watch the local leagues or attend more local league games. Keep up the good work, guys. So, yeah, so definitely some great points. Uh, maybe the price point is going to be different uh, globally. So maybe it's uh, $10 a month in, say, North America and Europe, uh, the equivalent. And then in, um, I don't know, in, in, in say, third world countries, uh, it's you know, half, half of that or whatever it may be. But some good points raised there. Uh, this one, Kartik, will be a good one for you, this next series of comments. We've got a, a lot this week, and I really appreciate the, the, the listeners sending these in. Uh, Martin McCahey uh, says, Fox soccer execs are idiots. On a weekend with no Premier League games at NBC Sports because of the FA Cup, and fans looking for soccer to watch, they pushed the Bundesliga to FS2 for NASCAR qualifying on FS1. No loyalty. Bundesliga must go elsewhere at the end of this contract. Yeah, look, it's very frustrating. I, I, I totally get that, and I'm frustrated by it. I'm upset I'm, I, that the Bundesliga is moving around. It's usually now on FS2 more than FS1. Uh, these past two weekends have been terrible. I also have to acknowledge the ratings just aren't very good. Now, if that's a matter of them not promoting the product uh, adequately, never being committed to it, uh, etc., they're just uh, – and I think – you know, my opinion is the Bundesliga is a comparable product to the Premier League, uh, and and in fact, in many cases, it's better. I I, I now personally, uh, it's a toss up whether I'm watching a Bundesliga match uh, at in that 9:30 a.m. 10 a.m. time slot, uh, Eastern Time, or a Premier League match. It's also a toss up 12:30 p.m. Eastern Time whether I'm watching the Bundesliga match or the Premier League match. But for others, they've just settled on the Premier League. Is that a matter of NBC versus Fox? Yeah, that probably plays into it, but I think there's just other issues which have hurt the ratings, and and, uh, Fox is not terribly committed to the product. I also think partly because they've lost the Champions League uh, and they've lost the FA Cup and they're basically out of the European club game now, 
that this is just a leftover that they're not that interested in, uh, unfortunately. But I agree, the Bundesliga has to go somewhere else in their next deal in the U.S. Even if it just if it takes the the, the league off of television and it's just behind a streaming paywall, that will still be better for the people who love that league in this country. So Toby Schubacher says, I haven't watched too much Bundesliga this year, but is it now normal to have uh, no pregame and no halftime studio show? Fox Sports cut part of its can show before the game, uh, amateurish. Uh, no studio can shows. Why would I watch this over NBC Sports Gold on a normal weekend again? Craig Shapiro says, not only is Frankfurt against Mönchengladbach on FS2 this past Sunday, but Fox Sport Soccer didn't even have a pregame whatsoever for this monumental top half of the table clash. They're truly mailing it in at this point. Such a shame. Beaver uh, Biban says, I'm not into apps or streaming. Uh, finding Fox supporters does a much better job of promoting Bundesliga games and, um, and also has a good post-game show, including highlights. Much better than FS1 or FS2. My Spanish is limited, but I like what Deportes does. I'm glad that FS2 shows the weekly uh, Bundesliga uh, league uh, highlight show. So some good feedback there from some upset uh, fans of German soccer, rightly so. Tim Keane says, I took your advice and subscribed to ESPN+. Plus. There's a lot of content. As a Watford fan, I could follow our related team, Udinese, which was fun. But a lot of the stuff is really of little interest to most people, although I did watch some cricket. The most annoying thing I found is that you can't start watching the game while it's in progress. If you don't start watching it at the beginning, you have to wait until the end to make sure uh, it hasn't gone into extra time. And like I use my DVR... I can go back and watch the beginning of the game whatever time I start to watch it. Or perhaps I'm technically challenged and I don't know how to do it, which could well be the case. I found that very annoying and I cancelled my subscription. Kartik, I, I don't think this is true, though. I mean, from what I've experienced with ESPN+, Plus, sometimes I've joined a game, um, especially sometimes like the championship games where I'm just behind about 10 minutes. I uh, join the, pro- the game and it's starting live and I can go back to the beginning of the broadcast. Um, I'm wondering in Tim, Tim's case whether it may be in terms of what device he's using to watch it on. But from what I've ha- experienced, um, I've been able to... I mean, fast forward to live if I want to, or go ahead and watch it for the minutes it is live onwards, or go back. Uh, I haven't had an issue with that. Have you? No. In fact, the QPR West Brom match, uh, which was this past week, uh, but, but didn't mention it earlier in the show. But uh, I was able to pause it and then come back half an hour later. So uh, I guess it depends. And that was on an iPad. So it depends what device you're using or what maybe uh, uh, operating system, you, if you're updated or not, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I think each device is different, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It could be user error, Tim. I mean, uh, no offense, but um, but yeah, if you need any help with that, just uh, reach out uh, by email. I'll be more than glad to help you out uh, if you can tell me more about uh, which device you're using and see if I can help you there. Uh, Robert Hay Jr. says, uh, Kartik, this is a question for you. He says, based on the World Soccer Talk conversation, Kartik, do you think that Don Garber leveraged the Premier League search for a, a new chairman uh, or should I take off my tinfoil hat? And for those listeners who don't know, Don Garber signed a new deal this week uh, to continue as the MLS commissioner, I think for another I think three years. Um, so he's going to be around uh, through the next TV deal, which is going to be the, the, the biggest thing from Major League Soccer's perspective in terms of uh, shaping the future of the league. Uh, and it's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be an easy, easy battle. Um, I'm sure Fox and Univision and ESPN and the other broadcasters are going to say, hey, we paid a lot of money last time and the TV ratings are not adding up to uh, uh, how much value that we're giving. So there needs to be some negotiation here. But Kantik, going back to Robert's question, do you think that Don Garber may have leveraged uh, the search uh, for a C, uh, chairman uh, or not? I think it's very possible. I, I I don't know if it's likely, but I'd say probably. The timing the timing like is pretty co- coincidental, yeah. right? I mean, the timing is kind of right. interesting. In the same week that this, it's it's the biggest story in terms of the chairman race uh, for the Premier League that uh, this, that he announces a new deal. I don't think anyone caught on to that though, but. Uh, 
but Robert did. So <laughs> that's off to Robert there. John Average Geek says, I listened to the ESPN radio show. Uh, a guy was reporting on the Alliance, this new uh, football league, and he said he only watched it because he was at home and it was on and there was nothing else on, basically. And, he, and John says, uh, if only U.S. soccer leagues could figure that out. Uh, Nick says, I had some questions regarding... Uh, two tournaments for the Asian Cup. The zone was announced as the rights holder right before the semi-finals of the tournament. Was this a case of no one bidding beforehand, or were negoti- negotiations that intense that it came down to securing the rights with only three matches to go? Surely, the zone would have wanted to get their money's worth by securing the rights months before the tournament began to be able to market their streaming service and get people to subscribe. Seems silly from both sides that it came to that. So that's the, uh, Nick's first point, and before we move on to the second point or question, um, we don't know. We don't know. I, I, I would hazard a guess or a, an educated guess is that uh, no one picked up the rights, uh, no one seemed to be interested, and DAZN came in late into this and said, hey, hey uh, you mean with this Asian Cup, um, are the rights available? Yes. How much? That much? That That's it? Okay, yeah, we'll take it. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of demand for that tournament. Uh, in the past, I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember who had it. It's been on a couple of streaming services in the U.S. in the past. Uh, very, very niche streaming services. And um, it's one that there's, there's very little demand. DAZN was probably the only company that came in uh, that was interested. Uh, and they probably came in I mean, kind of midstream and said, okay, hey, we'll, we'll stream the semifinals on and uh, for a nominal fee. Uh, that, that's that's my educated guess on that one. And then uh, Nick goes on to say, uh, I was wondering if there is any news about the English language rights for the Copa America this summer. I see that Telemundo has secured the rights, which will be a great fallback. But I'm holding out hope that someone like NBCSN or ESPN Plus will pick up the broadcasting rights as well. Any idea if this might happen? Thanks so much. So what I do know is that um, there... According to one of my sources, there has been interest from ESPN, uh, and presumably it would be ESPN Plus that might be the one that would be, would be interested within the ESPN uh, network. Because at the same time that the Copa America is on, you also have the Women's World Cup, and you also have the Gold Cup. So the Women's World Cup is going to be on Fox. Um, you mean you got the Copa America? Oh, I'm sorry, the the Gold Cup, which is also on Fox, um, as well as the Spanish language broadcasters. And this summer, the Copa America is going to get kind of lost in the shuffle. So, um, yes, you got Telemundo on the Spanish side. But on the English language side, I would uh, I would believe that ESPN is probably the front runner. But at the same time, there might be some interest from DAZN or somebody else in this one. Last but not least, last question from the listeners. It's uh, Derek, and he says, big fan of the podcast. I was wondering if you had plans to add the show to Spotify. I've been considering my podcast there for... Uh, <laughs> Kartik, you okay? <laughs> yeah, condensing. Okay. okay. I've been condensing my podcast there for... Uh, just making sure you, you weren't uh, I don't know, losing breath there. I've been condensing my podcast there for easily listening, and I noticed yours wasn't on there yet. If not, no worries. Thanks for all you do. Well, Derek, great news for you and all, all the other listeners. Uh, the World Soccer Talk podcast is now on Spotify. So if you go into Spotify and type in World Soccer Talk, you'll find it there, and you, you can subscribe to it. Uh, we're also working to try to get us on Pandora, too. So uh, I think we're on pretty much every single podcast player that there is. So, listeners, thank you so much for all your feedback. If you do have any uh, rants, raves, disagreements, uh, advice, uh, or need advice, let us know. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Before we go, Kartik, uh, where can they find you on Twitter so they can catch up on your latest uh, happenings uh, around the soccer and politics world? Yeah, KKFLA737. All right. Thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. In Kartik, heading into another great week of uh, international football, what can they do? Enjoy your football.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.